welcome to Fur What It's Worth. I'm a horrible person. You'd leave stuff laying around? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. No, no, you can't do that because I seriously think of Five Nights at Fred Meyer every time someone says that. Did you know that five out of six fake doctors recommend a regular dose of... Well, we have a choice here. Yeah, tell them what our choice is. What are the choices? Limbago in Idaho. What the hell? F-W-I-W to treat or prevent anal dyslexia. There are certain women I just want to bitch slap. <laughs> <laughs> So in summary, people are awful. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. Speaking of, here's the panel of fools. Uh, I mean, fake doctors for today's episode. Welcome to For What It's Worth, everybody. This is Ruchisi Lexico. Woo! Okay, I don't know why I did that, but I am glad that you are here and that you're here to be able to listen to this lovely, lovely episode. We have in the wings, good old Click. Hi, Click. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Good. And then we also have Nuka. Yes. And Voss. Hi. And Firebreath. Oh, hi. <laughs> we actually have the whole cast here today because we're going to be doing a special, special episode. But. We also have a brand new person that we're adding to the team, and that's Sammy. Say hello, Sammy. Hi. All right. Well, we have Sammy here today. Sammy is a corgi that has a strong passion for animals. Sammy is known in the fandom for Colored Corgi, which is a business that Sammy runs. Um, Sammy creates harnesses in that business. Um, Sammy has been working on getting into voice acting as well. Um, both Sammy, well, Sammy shares a love for fursuiting and have helped out in charity events for Helping Paws. He has also helped in organizing the furry clubhouse, which helps gives a safe space to the, um, the kinky furs in our local area. Sammy, say hello. Hi, thanks, Rue. You're welcome. I butchered that. That's it was, okay. It was great, but I'm glad that you're here. Thanks. I uh, appreciate you inviting me along. So, um, now what? <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how about we introduce ourselves? Yeah. Okay. Or, or at least recap. Everybody recap. go around. Yeah. I guess I can start um, since I'm the new one. Uh, as Rue said, I'm Sammy Southpaw. Um, I'm a corgi. Um, I've been working on, uh, getting into the voice acting world. It's a slow progress, but you know, uh, good things take time. Um, some other stuff that I've been doing day to day. I actually, uh, am one of the lucky few that's had their COVID vaccine in, uh, here in Utah. Woo! So my job, uh, helped with that. And I recommend everybody go get that done when you have the chance. Um, but other than that, just living through a, another historical pandemic. <laughs> so did you grow a tail? No, unfortunately. No tail, no, no 5G <laughs> from my head or no anything antlers. like that. No. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> but that's about it. All right. Yay. Well, this is Click. Um, recently... Not a lot has changed, really. Um, 
I started playing a brand new game that came out early access called Dyson Sphere Program. And it's another builder management Factorio style game that most people don't like. <laughs> but that's what I've been spending all my time doing. Um, I did recently move my craft room downstairs. So now I can start um, getting back into my millions and millions of hobbies. You know, suit making, 3D printing, RC, D&D &D miniature crafting. What hobby are you not into? <laughs> I don't know. There's not many. You do leather work too. <laughs> and like, leather. <laughs> like you guys are also in the Star Wars fandom too. Yeah, cosplay. Notice I didn't butcher it and say the Star Trek fandom. Star Trek fandom. <laughs> There's no Star Which Trek isn't fandom. bad. I'm just, I'm not as big a Star Trek fan as I am a Star Wars fan. <laughs> well, Star Wars has better costumes. I agree. Nuka, what have you been up to? Oh God! What haven't I been up to? I uh, in the process. If you know anything about professors, you know that uh, at the start of the semester is always like the most busy, crazy, chaotic time. And somehow, in the midst of the last three weeks, I've started a semester, finished writing a book about anime, written two papers, I'm putting together all the lectures and everything for my course, and I'm getting ready to move. So you know, no big deal. Uh, how about you, Rue? What are you up to? Ah. Uh, you know, I have been putting in bids for houses. I've been a big, big boy. I'm a big boy. I I have been doing big boy stuff and trying to find a house. So that's what me and my partner have been up to. So putting on find those. anything good yet? <laughs> uh, we put a bid on a house yesterday. So we're crossing oh. our fingers. Don't you mean you are second? Good. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Boss, how have you been? I have to incorporate my little tugs in here every once in a while, so you're just gonna have to suffer. <laughs> I'm I'm doing fine, but uh, having some difficulties because of the weather and problems. Because I'm in probably some people know that I'm in flight school, and I'm a pilot, and I'm just finishing up my commercial rating. But I keep running into problems because of weather, because it's winter and it snows and it sucks. How much longer do you have? If if the weather was perfect, how much longer do you have? If everything was perfect, I, it would be about two weeks. That's it? <laughs> at well, most. At Jeez. most. So close. I have, I have like two flights left, but I tried to get the last one done and the vacuum pump failed on the plane, so they <laughs> had to fix it. And then I just tried to do another one. And their backup plane in another city lost an engine, so it's in the middle of nowhere in some small airport. And they have I think to you need one of those, fix. an engine. Wait, how did yeah. they lose? Well, it has two. It's, it's a multi-engine. Oh. It's got two engines. It just lost one. Did it just disappear? Oh, it, just <laughs> <didn't help laughs> it. it was just, boop, it's gone. Okay, went, thanks, went into the multiverse. <laughs> yep. Disappeared. Yep, and with that, and because of that, now the one that I'm assigned to has to go between two cities, and so they're alternating weeks, and it's just been... A waiting game. Yeah. It sucks. Firebreath, what have you been up to? Well, still looking for a job, because I lost mine in September. Oh. Yeah, not even because of COVID. That's the worst part. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I got, got, my got my job uh, sent overseas, so that was nice. Uh Make it, you know, 
add an insult to injury. I'm the one who trained those people on top of that. So that was oh. very nice. Oh. <laughs> uh, otherwise, uh, getting back in shape. Uh, hopefully, I'll be uh, doing an Air Force application in a month or so. And uh, otherwise, helping out my mom, who's blind. So, yeah, COVID. She's old and blind. So, uh, because of COVID, I do grocery runs and go do errands for her. Because obviously, drive. And uh, I've been otherwise in my spare time. I've uh, been doing uh, mostly playing Fallout seventy six. So, click. You thought you had hate with uh, Dyson Sphere <laughs> program? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. The stuff I play is nearly as. Uh unpopular i guess you could say yeah well honestly <laughs> it, it started really bad like fallout 76 i bought it on launch and it was absolutely horrible but uh with the last update they had at the beginning of the month was ash well january i should say uh it's actually gotten way better so yeah no it's 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 quite a different experience now so yeah that's well, that's what know, i've been up to if that's what you want to play you know good on you I don't understand the whole game hate thing. If you don't like it, don't play it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I can understand for 76 because it's a quote-unquote Fallout game, right? Right, right. So, but And when it came out, it did not feel a Fallout game at all. The, the environmental storytelling was great, but you kept hearing about all those awesome things that happened to non-player characters that you never met and you'll never meet and you'll never see happening. So that was very frustrating, but now you actually have an actual storyline in which you're involved, so that's a that starts to feel like an actual Fallout game. Yeah. Are you guys hungry? Hungry. I'm, I could eat. I, I could eat. I'm hungry right now. You're always hungry. Guess what I'm hungry for? You don't have to be hungry for those, though. <laughs> I'm hungry for cookies. <laughs> well, seeing as one person's here who does that little intro, maybe he should bring you in. Oh, go ahead, Fire Breath. It's Rue's cookie time. Yay! <laughs> All right, here we go. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. All personal breakthroughs begin with the change in beliefs in bed with a cookie. That's actually not bad. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that one, honestly. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there's many things that you can change in bed. Anything Like the sheets because it's full of cookie crumbs? Hey, have you been in my bed recently? <laughs> And welcome back. Oh, 
we're doing things a little bit differently today. Um, as Ruth said before, uh, we've got a lot of us here. Um, so we're actually doing more of a discussion episode than an actual interviewing uh, individual. Wait, we don't have any guests today? No, Wait, no guests. Wait, I we're thought... all guests. <laughs> oh, we're okay. our own guests. I gotcha. So well, who's hosting? All of us? No one's hosting. This plane is flying itself. <laughs> Me. I'm the captain now. That thing. Oh, well, he, he Ooh, does hold done, the mouse done, done. and all the audio fi- files, and he is our editor, so technically he is our captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he does kind of run the ship. I will make you Look at me. I am the captain really now. <laughs> but so, is he the captain of your heart? Yes. Old what? reference is old. <laughs> so we're doing a bit of a roundtable discussion. Um, every each of us will will have, uh, I think, some good insight and some good uh, uh, knowledge about what we're discussing today. So, um, click. How about you tell everybody what we're here to talk about, and uh, we can go from there. Well, we're all here today to talk about fursuit handling. Um... You know what it's what it's like, what it takes, um, how important it is. Um, you know, fursuiting and having handlers, that kind of thing. So, how would you define fursuit handling, and what exactly is fursuit handling? What do you think, Nuka? Yeah, I, I think this one. Uh, yeah, so as, as both a fursuiter and a person who studies furries, I can talk about this. Uh, you know, if you've ever been in a fursuit, you know that your vision is pretty crap in these things. Uh, it's pretty hard to see, pretty hard to judge where you're going. Sometimes it's very hard to speak to other people if you're muffled or if you just choose not to speak. Uh, you have to interact with the world somehow, sometimes have eyes and ears. So handlers are those helpful folks who follow you around and make sure you don't wander into traffic or make sure people don't put their sticky hands all over your nice suit or who... Uh, answer the question, what the hell are you doing here, right? Your, your handler is typically the person you entrust to uh, do that for you. And uh, they are, having a good handler is worth its weight in gold because I'm sure we all have stories about uh, what happens when you don't have a handler. <laughs> yes. Fire breath, have you, do you have an experience? Uh, as somebody who's been fursuiting since 2007 and been in the fandom since 1999 and started an early day one handling... Uh, I've got a bit of experience in both, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about a time where you were in fursuit and you're like, man, I wish I had a handler. Or maybe you had a bad handler. Honestly, I've never really suited without a handler. Uh, the only times I've done so was in controlled environments, uh, mostly because my fursuit does not really have any way of carrying anything. And as a fursuiter, you always want to have at least some ID available to you at any given time. Therefore, having a handler, if your fursuit does not have pockets or if you don't want to wear a backpack on your fursuit for whatever reason, is kind of required at that point. What, you mean you you want to be able to get back into your hotel room at some point in time? <laughs> Not necessarily my hotel room. For instance, uh, a few years back, I had a friend over and we went to fursuit in Montreal's Old Port, which is a fairly touristic destination in the, uh, in the city. And for some reason, we just had kids everywhere, but we were still in Montreal, right? We didn't have a hotel room, but we had a car. And it was t- two of us, uh, 
in fursuit and we had two other people with us that were basically handling for us so they had our keys they had our id they had water they had a bunch of stuff for us that we couldn't carry with us otherwise because most fursuits don't have pockets what about you click um your experiences i know you've been doing this a while i have i don't remember what year i'm <laughs> i don't remember when i started but um i'm it's you know it's kind of funny because i'm one of the stubborn fursuiters who yes you are i've handled for you yes. before well and if if see that's where the the whole which environment is it appropriate or necessary comes in because if i'm at a con generally i don't have a handler um my suits have good vision you know they're not some are terrible mine are actually pretty good um i have a really good situational awareness unless you get super wasted and, which no, you've gotten even... super wasted before and i've <laughs> i have been kind of your quote unquote handler at a convention yeah. and you just wander I would Everywhere, do that anyway. Which I think is great. <laughs> say, but... I, I have that problem too. So. Well, I do just wander, but I don't need to be babysat. Right? I can, you know what I mean? I've, I've, I feel like I can handle myself, but that's at a con. However, at, you know, a charity event or even a local meet, then yes, I will have a handler. As Rue said, he's done it for me. You know, um, I don't really have any super unique bad handler stories because usually the people who are handling for me are other fursuiters, so they kind of know what to do, what not to do, what to watch out for. You know, so that's... Oh, oh sorry. Go, go ahead, interrupt. I was going to say, if you want a good reason why you want an informed handler, I've got a story actually about that. Go for it. <laughs> Uh, because because I, I like what you said, the idea that uh, a fursuiter makes a really good handler because they know what to look out for. They know what's important. Um, and why you want to have a trained handler or a person who knows what they're doing, because the first time or one of the first times I went to Anthrocon, um, I, I was suiting there and I, I went by myself. I went just with the research team, but I didn't have any other furries there that I was with. And so I was trying to go out in the the, the streets of Pittsburgh in front of the the, the hotel. And I didn't have a handler there, but there's like a, if you know, if you've ever been to Anthrocon, there's like 5,000 people all kind of outside in front of the, the, the hotel there. And so you, you interact with the public and I said, okay, I'll just grab my, my colleague, Dr. Roberts. Uh, she's not a furry, but you know, she's, she's a professional. She has a PhD and stuff. So I figured she, she'd be able to, to be a good handler. And for the first few minutes, she was pretty good. She was, you know, there with me. She made sure I didn't trip on anything and didn't bump into anything. That was fine. And then she got distracted. She's like, oh, look at that suit over there. And she kind of wandered away. And if you're if you if you're in a low vision suit, this is really terrifying, especially if you're in a crowd of people. And it had just gotten dark. So I'm surrounded by by you know just just this mass of fursuits and people. I don't know what's going on. It's getting dark outside, so my vision is even worse. Uh, I'm disoriented. I can't see anything. And suddenly I just hear uh, a couple of people come up to me. And apparently I, I was told afterwards it was too um, we'll, we'll call them cougars, right? But not furry cougars. They were just, just <laughs> older, older women. Uh, and I just think they remember, you know, they were kind of 
all over me, right? And this is another episode, but the idea that when you're in a fursuit, you're not a person. And so they were kind of all over me and, and hanging off of me. And, you know, like one of them grabbed my ass and was like, purr for me, Kitty. I'm like, I'm very uncomfortable right now. Where is my handler? Help. Uh, and uh, she, she was taking pictures and she had forgotten about me. And so that's kind of a really good uh, uh, lesson that if you're a handler, you're, you're kind of taking on a responsibility. Don't, don't abandon your fursuit or don't get distracted because, um, you know, it was, it, I, I will say it was pretty, pretty scary. Not cause I thought these women were going to hurt me or anything. I was just uncomfortable, but I, I was disoriented. I, I needed to, to get out of there and I, I couldn't tell which way it was up. I was so just like overloaded there. So, um, yeah, know what you're doing as a handler and, and take the responsibility seriously. Cause you know, a person's putting a lot on the, putting a lot on you. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'd like to say something about that though, because a, a lot of people start out as handlers and like, I have no idea what to do. I'll just learn the ropes. Don't be afraid to ask somebody to tag along with them. If you know, they have more experience, right? Uh, it's a completely different thing from handling than fursuiting because what you're expected to do is completely different and learning from somebody who's seasoned, who's done it for a while and knows what they're doing. You'll, you'll quickly pick up a number of little hints and tips that will really, really help. Uh, a good one, personally, I, whenever I'm handling, I'm also doing pho photography at the same time, more often than not. But it's always pictures of the fursuiter, so I always have my eye on them. You know, I never look at anything else. That's one way for me to maintain situational awareness from both my end and on the fursuiter while taking pictures. There's lots of things that you can do or if you're talking with someone who's asking questions, you know, just always put the person a bit like 45 degrees on either side. So you always have the first video you're looking after, you know, in your field of vision, never leave anything to, to, to chance. Basically you, in a way, I know it sounds a little bit uh, dramatic, but you kind of have that person's life in your hands. Right. So Always keep that in mind. It's a huge amount of trust from a fursuiter to a handler to say, hey, I'm going out there putting myself at risk and you're going to be the person who can bail me out if need be. So that makes you super important. And I think that handlers are kind of like the unsung heroes of fursuiting in that fashion. I Everyone remembers like telephone or whoever else is out there, but nobody knows who their handler is, right? So handlers for me, like it, it helps me to be able to get into my performance. Rue is kind of a little bit clueless and kind of a little bit dumb. Uh, and he's silly and he's stupid and he goes around and tries to marry everybody with his cookies, different things like that. Art so, imitates life. <laughs> see, he, also, he also has a fursuit. <laughs> And oh, ouch, oh, ouch. I have not tried to propose to anybody on this podcast yet. Liar. <laughs> Sorry, um, So anyways, when it comes to a handler, though, it's important for me to have a handler because um, I'm really into a headspace. I am into the character of Rue, and character of Rue is not worrying about drinking water or, of course, I drink water when I'm thirsty, but I, I don't want to have to worry about where's my bag. I set my bag down and all my fursuit props are gone. And, you know, I don't want to have to chase that. Also, I've had some pretty bad experiences in fursuit where 
I had a bad handler or the handler was handling too many fursuits and, and I was kind of left alone. And I've had children with face paint run up and just cr like give me a great Aww. big hug great <laughs> big hug and right in my crotch <laughs> um and then i've had a drunk guy that has basically like i was playing around with with somebody else and he thought that i was fighting with that person and decided that he wanted to fight me so oh, uh, i've i've had that happen um and yeah, the list goes on. I've, I mean, we've we've had at a charity event where a first suitor went out on its, his own, and he, um, he was with a whole bunch of Disney princesses, and uh, he was a red fox, and I was a red fox, and I was in suit, and this husband that was absolutely just red and boiling in the face comes running up to me. And said, why did you smack my wife on the ass? Like, why did you do that? And <laughs> uh, basically, I what had happened is the other red fursuiter was just doing its thing, dancing around. And its tail flipped up and, and smacked somebody on the butt. And so one of the Cinderella's butts or whatever. So it just caused a, a scene. And if there was more handlers there or a handler there, they could have like helped defuse the situation before it got to that particular point. So I would say that when it comes to um, public fursuiting versus um, like at a convention, I think at a convention, you could just go with a fellow fursuiter. Usually things are pretty taken care of. But when it comes to private, um, private fursuiting events or going out, sorry, going out into the public, that's what I meant to say. I, I highly recommend having some sort of a handler with you, even if you're a super, super veteran. I mean, what it, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it, it, make, it makes sense, too, because at a furry convention, there, there's a certain level. You can assume a certain level of understanding in most furries. When you go to a furry convention, most furries know the gist about fursuits, right? Approach from the fronts. Uh, you know, don't don't this fursuit costs a lot. Please don't gum it up or, or mess it up. And they, they, they have some basic understanding. But when you're out in public, you you have no idea what's coming around the corner. You have no idea. It's a bus full of kids suddenly going to stop in front of you. Is, is some angry guy going to get pissed off? Is a cop going to come up to you? Is there, you know, giving you a hard time? Like there's there's a million unexpected things that you can't control for the way you can at a con. So I think it's even more essential to have a good trained uh, handler there with you to, to sort of anticipate. I think a good handler anticipates and, and sort of, uh, you know, doesn't just plan for everything, but also can react very quickly when, when unexpected things happen as well. Right. I, I was at that event and I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to as well. Cause that, that is one of the like worst things that has happened to us as a group here. And I, you know, and that, that was, we had, that was the problem. We had way too many suitors and not near enough handlers. Um, but that's another thing that a handler needs to do is, you know, most people think have a, you know, I need a handler to carry my stuff, make sure I have water, um, you know, watch out for me, watch out for my suit, but they also watch out for, they protect you from 
the public from that kind of a thing, you know, because somebody, anybody could come up and be like, they grabbed my ass, I'm filing charges, and then the handler can be like, no, I was watching the whole time, he never even came near you, kind of thing, you know what I mean? Especially with fursuits, because, again, like you said, you know, the, the person in the suit isn't isn't a human kind of thing. Yeah. Um so so they're 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 there to watch the suitor and and you know keep them safe but they're also there to protect them from themselves basically. Well and and, and from unexpected things too because uh I remember one time so one of the things I do is I, I teach in my first suit occasionally. And so you think I, I'm surrounded, you know, I'm on a campus, so I'm pretty safe. But uh, I remember a couple of times it's happened. One in particular sticks out to me. I'm walking back from my class and I have an office way deep in like the bowels of this one building in the middle of nowhere. And so I managed to make it back on my own. I don't have a handler when I when I suit for, for teaching. And so I get back to my office and I couldn't get the head off. My, my zipper had broken on the back of my, my fursuit head. And I couldn't get the head off. Oh, no. And I'm overheating. I've been suiting for an hour and a half. I'm overheating. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't get my paws off. I can't get my head off and I'm starting to overheat and there's no one around. And I'm like, this would have been a really good time to have a fursuit handler to get me the hell out of my suit. <laughs> you know, I also think that when it comes to the public, sometimes the public has, a, they don't know how to participate uh, with the fursuiter, especially at a public event. And so the handler can also, a, a good handler will help encourage mm. those interactions. Like, for example, if you see somebody that's snapping a picture of the fursuiter, you could say to them, hey, ma'am, would you like me to take the take a picture for you? And uh, grab their phone, and they're able to interact with the, um, the fursuiter. Um, but there's also fursuiters that don't talk. And so if you have somebody that's coming up and asking them questions, and they're pantomiming or for me i'm a squeak fursuiter oh, <laughs> um and they can't understand what i'm saying like a majority of the time <laughs> um you know it's good to have a translator basically there as well so we've got an email um from plug um that actually goes along with everything we're talking about right now uh click if you could uh go ahead and read that for us oh i guess so <laughs> Hi Rue and Cast. I have been I haven't been listening to the podcast since its inception, but over the last couple of years I have caught up where I can. Rue, I love the way you talk about the magic of suiting about and about completely becoming the character. If I'm honest, I probably don't share your level of passion in this, but I certainly do respect it. At some casual meets here in Australia, some suitors pop their heads, others poodle their partial. I guess this doesn't really bother me, but I often think of you being horrified when I see it. I've also seen suitors come out, come without a handler. And this brings me to my question. Do you ever think there are circumstances where it's okay to suit without a handler? When I see suitors without handlers, it's always been at a meet with lots of other attendees around observing People will often step in to handle as required if a suitor looks like they're wandering off and walking towards danger or are approached by a member of the public. Do you think this sort of thing is okay? I've never seen an incident, but I'm super keen to hear all of your thoughts on the matter. Much love, Plug. Hmm. First response. I like that question. First response. Well, um, that yeah, it's actually a really good question. 
Um, as far as circumstances where it's okay to not have a handler, like I said, I usually don't at cons. And like Nuka said, that's because people at a fur con have a certain understanding of suits. And generally, if there's a problem, somebody around will step in um, to to help out. You know, I mean, you can't you don't want to count on it. But that's a generality. Um, it's kind with, of the same with like a meet as well, right? Yeah, to meet. Um, you know, there, there's furries around. There's other suitors. There's people who are experienced handlers, even if they're not your handler. They know what to look for. Um, you know, but that that would be the only circumstance I can think of to be okay to not have a handler. I was going to just say, uh, Voss, what was your thoughts? Oh, um, I've been doing both on it because I remember distinctly when I was first handling that I had no idea what I was doing, but I jumped into it just because my friends had suits. And you learn pretty quick the general signs and motions that your suitors have, and you can pick it up real quick. It's not a hard thing to learn. It just You just have to do it. But I and then you get through it, and honestly, with me, it, every time I would go out and handle, it just made me want to suit more, and so I <laughs> that that gave me the encouragement to save up money and eventually buy my own suit. Fire breath. What's your response to the email? I would say it really depends on the level of control that not just you as a suitor or handler, but inside the group that you're in has over the situation and the environment you're in. Uh, if you're in a private event, for instance, uh, either a con, a meet, somebody's house, a party, whatever, a handler is not as necessarily required simply because the chances of having someone in the area that doesn't know how to handle you as in interactions or as just helping you out are fairly slim. But if you're going to go to a charity event, if you're going to go to... Uh, uh, just for fun outside, you know, just for funsies and stuff. Uh, anything that is in an uncontrolled environment that has too many unknown variables, you want to have a handler no matter what, if only for your safety, as well as the safety of other people. Because we all know about like first suiting golden rules, such as always have your hands visible, never pick up babies, stuff like that. But as as it was pointed out earlier by Rue, you know, sometimes there's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be uh, people that are going to be asking, hey, uh, can you take a picture of me with uh, with your friend there? You know, so it's always come. It always comes down to the amount of control that you feel is enough that you'll have over the situation and the environment to have a handler or not. And my level, my personal level of confidence when it comes to the amount of control I have is very low. If I feel I will lose easily control, I just want a handler all the time. But if I'm in a safe, controlled environment that I'm confident, uh, the people that are there are aware, everyone, no need for a handler. Right. So I've got a, I think a little bit of a different experience than you guys. Uh, being a suitor so i have two very very different suits i was actually that was my next question yeah. is the fact that of of puck yeah 
Creates, so, creates a whole different situation. So I have, you have to have a handler mm-hmm, no matter where. Um, so I have two suits. I have Sammy, who is a normal digi-grade, you know, can put on and off, paws come off, all of that. Um, in him, I'm way more comfortable to just go out and do whatever. Um, kind of doesn't matter where I am. I have a second suit, Puck. Uh, he is a plush suit. He is a plush platypus. Mo- mo- some people may know him. He's pretty seen at BLFC and He's adorable. Um, but he is a one-piece fursuit. The only thing that comes off is the head. Uh, the zipper is in the back. I have no hands. I have no... I mean, I've got little slits in the wrist I can put my hands out, but I could never get out of him by myself. And you waddle, and it's adorable. And he's heavy, <laughs> and I waddle, and he's a lot of work. Um, I remember one charity event uh, being your handler yeah. for that, and um, quite literally, I had to just hold your hand the whole entire time because if, like, if somebody came by and just like glomped you or gave you a little push you would have been down on the ground like within a second yeah or going down the stairs you would have just toppled it wouldn't have hurt you either because you would have been super padded yeah Yeah. and it would have looked super adorable but i don't think that would have been really fun (laughs) no no and so i think a lot of it as well is not most people have kind of your standard you know digi planty suits or partials but you get those suits like the plushes or these ones that have, you know, big animatronics or big tails or other things that um, could in, could encumber the person, you know, make things more difficult. It's not a matter of where you are. It's a matter. It can also be a matter of the suit. Um, Puck, I will never be able to suit Puck by myself. Never. A, I can't even put him on by myself. So, um, it's not only a matter of, you know, public space. A lot of us do tend to be more careful around the public on, um, popping our heads or, you know, I tend to be more of a silent suitor in a public event, but if I'm at a con, um, I'll be more talkative and interactive. Um, but Puck himself, that plush suit. I'm going to need a handler no matter where I go. So that can make a difference as well. It's not just the environment. It can also be the suit itself. Go ahead, Nuka. Um, I was going to say, I really definitely agree with uh, everything that's been said so far, Uh, especially fire breath. I really, really like that point you made about, you know, uh, level of control. Uh, I think something to be considered as well is the comfort of the suitor themselves for a couple of things. Experience matters. Uh, I would never in a million years encourage a first-time suitor to go out on their own. Um, some people have been suiting for 20 years and still don't feel comfortable going out on their own. Some people, um, you know, there are some people who've done it so much and they feel confident enough that I would have no problems with them going out on their own, right? They have good vision in their suits. They know how to handle themselves. Perhaps they talk in suits so they can, you know, communicate easily enough. Um, but there's also like personality traits. Like if you're a very shy person, um, you know, when you wear a fursuit, you're a magnet for attention. And so sometimes a good handler is needed just to kind of, you know, help you not be overwhelmed, right? If, you, if, you, if you're shy and you suddenly have all this attention on you, you know, you may never want to go out without a handler just because you don't want to be caught in a situation where you, you can't handle all the attention you're getting. 
Um, so a lot of it really boils down to things like experience, things like personality, things like what what do you feel comfortable with and what experience do you want to have while doing your suits? It's hard to make hard and fast rules about you should never right. in a suit because there's always someone who can do it, right? So Nuka, uh, just to add to your add to your particular point, or actually what I was thinking about while you were while you were saying that is, I think that also um, I think it's really important for you to communicate with your handler what you are okay with them doing because I've yep. had can't handlers before that have gotten all up in my business and they're like right next to me the whole entire time and it's like no i need you to give me some space you know yeah. you can you can be part of this yes i want you to be part of it but let me perform let me do what i'm trying to trying to do as well if they're like right next to me the whole entire time protecting me and you know that there's handlers that can go to the extreme and be overbearing. So it's super important that before you go out for a public event that you communicate with your handler and say these are the things that I need from you. This is what I need you to be able to help me out with. There and again going off of what you're saying everybody's at different experience levels. So somebody that's a more professional suitor may not need you to necessarily watch where they're walking or like point out the steps or different things like that. Um, Stairs are my pet peeve, by the way, I was going to say, because I I, I can suit pretty well and I do like having a handler, but stairs are one of those things where I'm like, leave me alone because I've tripped over my handler before. They were trying to be helpful (laughs) and show me where the stairs were and I just bowled over them. So now I'm like, whoever's handling me, piss off around the stairs. I'll do it myself. So it sounds like that you have exact experience of what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, give me my space when I need it, but, but be there when I need you to be. (laughs) Cause I've had that exact experience. Cause with me, I'm very, very heat tolerant. So suiting for hours on end for me is not a problem at all. I'm jealous. But I've had, I've had handlers come up to me and when I'm interacting with people, every few steps do you need water do you need this <laughs> and i'm like no no i'm fine i can go hours and be fine there's there's not a problem so you've really got to communicate with that because it's it's killed a lot of times i've gone suiting with just overbearing yeah i'm the same way if i need something i'll let you know but i'm the opposite way where it's like Tell me when I'm. Uh, so you guys probably have had one of my handlers that have handled for me, and has expe- expected yes. that that's the level you, of handling yeah. that you need, <laughs> and they then handle for you, and then it's a negative experience. So communication with your handler beforehand is super important. As a handler, you should communicate with your first suitor before they put their suit on and say, "Hey, what is it that you want me to?" Um, to do for you. Uh, let's see. We had a uh, uh, fire breath. Oh, oh. You were saying yeah, something? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say something to, to keep in mind maybe as well is I usually work with the same suitors or the same handlers most of the time. Eventually, you'll start to know each other in certain ways that, okay, this guy, I know he's okay with stairs, but this guy needs help. Or uh, this guy needs water every 20 minutes, this guy every 20 hours, you know? <laughs> So it, it, it really is important that you develop this rapport with both the handler and the suitor in due time if you can. Uh, sometimes that is obviously not a, a possibility. However, if you can't always have the same teams going together, uh, 
you'll find out very quickly that both suiting and handling becomes second nature to you and the the other person. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's all been some really good information. Being a lot of focus on uh, you know our side as first suitors, what we need we need as handlers. Um, but we will take a break here for a moment, and then um, we will come back and talk a little bit more about actually being a handler. Um, so stay with us, and we'll be right back. Hailing Frequencies Open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Friday, February 19th, here are your space headlines. Holy freaking crap, some really awesome stuff just happened in the last few days, and it's all centered around Mars. Three different missions all arrived at Mars within the span of only a few days. First up was the United Arab Emirates, who became the fifth nation or space agency to put something in orbit around the Red Planet. The probe, named HOPE, is a partnership between the UAE and US scientists with the goal of obtaining never-before-gathered data from Mars, specifically the weather. That's right, after all the missions we've sent, we're only just now putting a weather satellite around Mars. Hey, it's hard, and it's expensive. The probe has a rather eccentric orbit, meaning the point in that orbit that is lowest is very different from the highest point in the orbit, making it highly elliptical. This allows for the probe to get close-up and distant readings of the upper and lower atmosphere using its suite of onboard instruments. And that data will be made publicly available, meaning all nations and agencies operating equipment on or around Mars will be able to make use of it. Then the very next day, we saw the sixth nation join the Mars Club. This time it was China with their Tianwen-1 spacecraft. We didn't get any real-time updates on the progress, only an announcement after the fact, but we did get a series of still images spliced together to create a sort of video. The images came from a camera on board the probe, pointing down at the planet as the vehicle entered orbit, even during the deceleration burn. To my knowledge, this is the first time we've ever had footage from a craft entering orbit like that. What's really amazing about this probe is it's not just a probe. It's an orbiter, a lander, and a rover. The orbiter is currently doing a bit of mapping, checking its target landing zone to try and find a viable spot to send the lander to. That makes them the third nation or agency to attempt to land something on Mars. It's looking like the attempt is scheduled for sometime in May or June of this year. And then, the big one. NASA's Perseverance rover attempted its EDL, or Entry, Descent, and Landing, on Thursday, February 18th. Because of the distance between Earth and Mars, the lag time between something happening with Perseverance and Mission Control out of California's Jet Propulsion Lab finally seeing it was about 11 minutes. That's decidedly not great for trying to control a spacecraft. So, like all vehicles that go beyond lunar orbit, and like pretty much everything that orbits or lands on the moon, the Perseverance was on its own, autonomously flying itself towards touchdown. The entry capsule separated from the cruise module, which went off on its way elsewhere, and began entering the Martian atmosphere, which is too thin to be much help and too thick to ignore. When the capsule passed through enough of the atmosphere that it wasn't in danger of burning up, it deployed a parachute and the heat shield was jettisoned, exposing the rover to the surface far below. Instruments began scanning the terrain below, looking for a spot to put down before the rover and its landing assembly sky crane detached from the back shell. When there was enough distance between the rover and the back shell, eight powerful rocket engines at the corners fired up, slowing the whole mass down in preparation for a soft landing. 
It guided itself to a site it had selected, then entered a hover phase only about 15 to 20 meters above the ground where it lowered Perseverance to the surface ever so gently. Once it was confirmed wheels down, Skycrane then disconnected the tethers and flew away to ensure it wouldn't damage the rover. Everything went exactly as planned, just like with Curiosity. Skycrane is now two for two. Perseverance is basically Curiosity's little sibling, but with a few upgrades, and one really cool add-on. It sports more durable wheels after engineers learned more about the surface thanks to Curiosity. It has microphones so we can listen to the Martian surface. It has sample containers that will possibly be collected and returned to Earth by a later mission. Oh, and it has a helicopter. This will be the first time we've ever flown anything on Mars without using rockets. The Integrity drone will fly around to scan the terrain for interesting sights and even examine the rover to check for damage periodically. Oh, and something else that made this landing different from Curiosity, it just so happens that the timing allowed for several other missions already on orbit to point their cameras at the entry vehicle as it entered. We'll likely have video soon of the whole thing, and Perseverance had a camera pointing down, providing footage once the back shell dropped away. And there was a camera on Skycrane, and it sent back a picture of the rover as it was being lowered to the surface. We have an unprecedented amount of images and footage of the whole entry, descent, and landing maneuver. Huge congratulations to all the hardworking people at NASA, especially at JPL, for pulling off another fantastic feat of engineering. I can't wait to see what Perseverance and Integrity find in Jezero Crater. You can expect a lot more about this mission in the future. And that's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. Water bottle, wallet, con badge, backpack, it's yours my friend, as long as you have enough cookies. You are listening to For What It's Worth. We're back! Boss, I got a question for you. What's an iDense? Oh, I'm glad you asked this very specific question, and thanks That's to our That's totally ident. spontaneous. <laughs> thanks to our iDent, who you all heard, and is a very lovely... Insert blank here. They're my favorite. The government gets really mad when people don't identify the show they're on every once in a while, and... I don't want the government to get mad at me. So, if you don't want the government to come and break down our door and stop for what it's worth, see? They're already knocking! <laughs>
then we need you to come in and submit some idents and you can do this simply easy you can we got a lovely speak pipe and everything just set up for you can do it all you have to do is give us a little background about yourself say a little nice thing and then just say you're listening to for what it's worth <gasps> that was so sensual <laughs> i can do it so sensual you're listening to for what it's worth <gasps> <laughs> little ASMR action there. <laughs> so if the government comes and see us, does that mean it's going to be animal services or the FCC for you guys? We already got one here. I say animal services is already here, guys. That's me. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so we should talk about the people that make this show possible. Kind of like, you know, the heroes. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, you mean. No. I thought I deleted that file. <laughs> I would... No. God, I wish I was a Patreon so that music could be playing for me. <laughs> you are a patron, you dork. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Just double your pledge. You'll be a double Patreon. All right. So we want to thank everybody that subscribes to our Patreon. Um, so just to go down the list, we've got GW... Nuka. You're welcome. Koru. Bubble Whip. Aldelor Sothlier. Sorry if I said that wrong. Moss. James Anderson. Jake Fox. Chappagriff. Ozzy K. Black Baldrick. Katskchi. Katskchi. Ligris. Kit. Tyre. Ichigo Okami. Simone Parker. Guardian Lion. Thanks again, everybody, for uh, subscribing to our Patreon. It really does help the show uh, do what we need to do. And as t- tell your friends about it. Let them know that we've got it out there. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash FWIW. It pays for it the show. It just feels rad. But it also, oh, there you go. But it also tortures Rue, so yeah. if you want to torture Rue... Just kidding. And the more names on the list, the longer the torture goes on. Oh my gosh, no. I'm going to sign up twice now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let us continue on uh, talking about fursuit handlers. Um, We've actually got an audio file uh, from one of our listeners, Grizz, uh, who talks about one of his experiences being a handler um, and kind of what he did in that situation that occurred. Ah, fursuit handling. I've had my experience guiding fursuits who couldn't see, helping fursuits avoid small kids with sticky hands or ice cream cones, and avoiding people holding cigarettes wanting to hug the fursuits. But these pale in comparison to one afternoon I had as a handler. And now for the darker side of fursuit handling. It was a nice moderate afternoon in 2012, and the local furs were meeting at the downtown outdoor 40-foot-wide, two-block-long pedestrian walkway plaza, where they fursuited often. It was one of the holidays, and hundreds of people were strolling on the walkway plaza. Some pedestrians were snacking in the restaurant's outdoor seating along the side of the walkway. There were four fursuiters that day, and I volunteered to be the handler for one. The fursuiters decided they would stay in one area between the open-air diners and the center of the walkway plaza. 
I took up my position off to the side of my fursuiter, waiting to intervene should I see a cigarette, sticky child hands, or if my suitor needed to be led away for a break. But these events did not happen. After some minutes, the central pedestrian walkway became congested as more and more people stopped to get a hug or a picture with the fursuiters. Soon, pedestrians that wanted to get by had formed a pedestrian traffic flow behind the suitors. But the suitors still had four to five feet of clearance behind and in front of them. All was going well, until... Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I caught sight of a male, maybe five feet, five inches tall, about 45 years old, Caucasian, average haircut, cleanly dressed in what looked like tan hiking pants and shirt with a small tan day pack. He emerged from the back pedestrian traffic flow and got very close to the backside of my fursuiter. As I turned, I saw the pedestrian reach under the fursuiter tail and goose my fursuiter. Before I could react, he melted back into the pedestrian traffic behind my fursuiter and was gone. I was mortified, felt like a failure, and was beside myself with immobility. Trying to learn from the experience, I positioned myself closer to the side and slightly to the back of my fursuiter. I was now trying to visually scan the front for approaching issues and any rear approaching trouble. All seemed to be going well from the front and the back. But 30 minutes later, the same male emerged from the back pedestrian traffic, goosed my fursuiter again, and melted back into the crowd, all in two to three seconds. The suitors were getting hot, so suiting ended shortly after that. During the debriefing afterwards, my suitor did not mention the goosing. Maybe he was being kind to me. Maybe he did not feel them. I could not tell. But from this handling episode, I learned several valuable lessons. While fursuiting in a crowd always have at least two handlers per fursuiter. One handler back-to-back -back with the fursuiter to watch the rear for molestation, tail-pulling, rear attack hugs, and one handler back-to-front with the fursuiter to watch for front issues. And always talk to your fursuiter ahead of time about an emergency exit plan, including hand signals, and what would trigger an emergency exit. I also learned from this experience not to let negative events color handling or fursuiting. There are wonderful feelings to be gained from handling and fursuiting. Just be careful and try to tilt the odds of a positive experience in your favor. Fantastic. Thank you again for that, Grizz. We appreciate uh, you sending that in. So, guys, what do you think about his story? Any thoughts, comments? Rue, you want to start us off? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, goosing. Uh, <laughs> I have never been goosed before in suit. Can I ask a question? What I... does that mean? Ooh, ooh. Okay. Uh, basically, it's where somebody takes their finger and pokes the asshole. Oh, I, ah. I thought it was like pinching their butt. It, it's kind of the same thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like being anal. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically uh, when somebody sneaks up behind you and, yeah, it, they they either, you know, they'll grab your butt, they'll poke you in the butt. It's basically, you know, kind of a violation, but. You know, 
I, I, my personal feelings are I don't necessarily think that you need to have two handlers in a in a crowd. I think that that can become a little bit much. Personally, if I was in a crowd with a fursuiter, what I would have done is I would have um, escorted them. So I would have grabbed their hand or grabbed their, um, you know, um, you know, ha- linked arms or something like that. And I get it. That doesn't necessarily protect their rear end 100%. But the main thing is, is it makes the fursuiter no longer look like a target because they no longer, um, they have somebody that is there as well and they know that basically they know that they have basically a bodyguard you're acting as a bodyguard at that point so i would recommend that instead um is just get really close to the fursuiter and um hold on to their paw or or whatever um to be able to get them through that that crowd and get to a more open space if that's possible what's your guys' thoughts I'm I'm perhaps a little bit fatalistic on this one. I think uh, you can you can only plan for so much, right? And at, at some points, uh, no matter how vigilant you are as a handler, no matter how much you try to anticipate everything, something will will catch you off guard eventually, right? You go long enough, something will catch you off guard. I think the situation that that um, that Grizz described there. I mean, I don't really know how you could be much more vigilant than that. Like, yes, you could have two handlers, but that's that's kind of impractical. Uh, and asking a lot. And I think that even if you are really, really vigilant, you can only, you know, you only have two eyes. Um, you know, the, the, you do the best you can and realize that that sometimes, you know, stuff will happen and you try to react as best you can. But, uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, so, sometimes you'll, you'll be caught off guard. Again, if I was a handler, I don't know if I could have done much more uh, to be more vigilant than that, right? <laughs> Especially if it happened once, you know, it was, it was clear he was on the lookout for something like that again. You weren't expecting it to happen again, so... Right, and there's a certain level of of how do you, I don't know, like you said, uncertainty. There's a certain level of instances that you're just gonna have to accept that are gonna happen. I'm, you know, and that's not saying you know relax and just let things happen, but you you also have to accept that some things are gonna happen, and there's just nothing you can do about it. And that's also a good time of when to check in with your suitor. You know, you see it happen. You, let them know, hey, sorry, I didn't catch it in time. Are you okay? Do you need me to do anything? That kind of thing. Yeah. And unfortunately, with fursuits, I find I I find it funny how much people like fursuit tales oh, in geez. general. There's a lot of times where people will mess with tales. I know I've had it, especially in the Puck, children, um, where the tail gets messed with. So it's it is something to keep an eye out. But it's always good to, in an instant like that, I think, to just check in with the suit, the suitor, make sure they're okay. And if they want to keep going, just keep going. You know, a good way to do that is you just, um, you can actually hug the suitor and communicate with them and just get real close and just say, hey, are you okay? And it doesn't break the magic because they're able to talk back to you. And instead to the public, it just looks like that you just had a great big huge hug from this great big huge fursuiter type thing. They don't really 100% know that you're actually having a conversation. Yeah. Fire breath. Do you have any thoughts on it? It's always the case of... uh how I approach these things is basically uh, how Sun Tzu says it, you know, no matter the plan, 
it will always uh, fail when it meets the enemy, right? Yeah. So the what you need to be able to realize is that the situation is fluid and you need to act accordingly. You can, uh, like, uh, like Nuka said, you cannot plan for absolutely everything. And it's all about reaction. Uh, when Rue says, you know, give the, the suitor a hug and ask if they're okay, uh, even before doing that, I'd look for signs where is the suitor seemingly uncertain, uneasy? Uh, are they looking around for me? You know, look out for cues that there's something that might be wrong even before doing that. Uh, mostly because I always saw my job as a handler as there to support the, the first suitor and to try and be as invisible as possible, depending what my role is, right? So if I have any inkling that something might be wrong, anything whatsoever, then yeah, the, the hug trick, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a great thing. But otherwise, I try to stand that back as much as possible. But again, this comes with experience. When I started out as a handler, I was overzealous, I would say, because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't really have anybody to show me the ropes. So I was trying things. I wasn't sure what I was doing and I've learned with time. And I've also experienced the other side as a fursuiter. And then I got, it gave me a much better uh, appreciation for both the work and what I should be looking out for. So don't, again, uh, don't, don't feel bad if something happens. You cannot plan for everything. And the important part is how you react to whatever happens, not how you can plan for something. Right. Well, and that, you know, that kind of leads into the communication thing. You know, the the hug trick is great if you really need to get in there and be like, you know, are you okay? Um, you know, hand signals have been brought up quite a few times. Um, you know, and in a situation like that, you can just stand back and, you know, as a handler, just watch. You can, you know, like you said, watch for cues. Um, just give them, you know, a thumbs up, raise your eyebrows and a thumbs up and the suitor can just nod and be like, yeah, I'm okay. Or no, you know, get me out of here. You know, what about you, Voss? You got any thoughts on that? Um, I would say that you don't have to be ready to tackle anyone that comes up against the suitor in preparation. And it's, it's just about positioning when, cause every time my, I was doing handling if there was with the suitor and he was walking, then I would be more in front of the suitor and I would look out for stuff. And if he stopped to interact with something, then I would step behind the suitor and so he they can interact. And then that way I could protect as much as I could and watch out for him. But, you know, some things will slip through. Don't beat yourself up. It happens. And it's just a learning experience and you'll just get better as you do it. All right. I want to play devil's advocate. Here you go. Rue is going to cause a train to hit this show. Here you go. <laughs> Ready? It's not on the show notes, but this is something that I know that people are thinking of right now. I'm a young fursuiter, or I'm a young hand, um, a young fursuiter. Why do I need a handler? Like, seriously, I don't need a handler. That's a, I, I believe that handling is a dying art. What do you guys have uh, well, to it say? is a dying art just because nobody's doing it anymore because everyone wants the fursuit instead. <laughs> yeah, that is true. There's always been a higher population of fursuiters and handlers. But in all honesty, you know, I'm going to kind of play on that side of, yeah, you can go out and suit on your own 
wait until you're in that situation, then there's nobody there to help you. Um, honestly, I, I call that Darwinism. Yeah, it's honestly <laughs> one of the worst feelings. But nothing ever is going to happen to well, me. Nothing wrong. It only takes time, I, buddy. I, can, I have perfect vision. I have perfect vision. I am. I. I I'm going to go to Walmart today and go for suit by oh, myself. Geez. That plays into a whole different show subject. I know, but, but well, <laughs> is is attitude right? You take somebody like like you, for example. You you know you're totally into character. You're you know when you're in when you're in fursuit, you are that character, right? You know, and everybody here is the same way. We don't, you know, you don't pop your head in public. You know, it's a performance art. You're there for a reason. But the attitude nowadays is, you know, if I get in trouble, I'll just pull my head off. It doesn't matter. All right. I'll I'll have Lucifer go into my bedroom. But no, it is it is a good thought because, you know, there are a lot of people who well, I don't need a handler. I don't need. Yeah, I'm. I'm, good. I, I'm fine on my own. But you know, yeah, you probably will be fine on your own to a degree. A lot of it until is, you're not. Yeah, until, it's you're, until not. you're not. And talk talk to every fursuiter. Someone's got a horror story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Most fursuiters have a, at least one or two horror stories involving some kind of most likely public suiting and if it hasn't happened to you at some point in time it will happen yeah. and it's that's not if it's what when you want to avoid yeah and i'd even add to this it doesn't have to be in public uh some of you guys know i've been for a long time staff at various conventions and i've done security and it happened more than once where i was actually had to do an emergency call over a suitor because they were having a major heat stroke or somebody was about to faint or they were fainting it, having people around you that know what they're doing is great, but it's one of those things where until it happens to you, those guys were lucky. They did it happened to them at a con. But if that was to happen to them on the street, I guarantee you they'd come they'd come home after a big ambulance bill, a big doctor bill, and maybe even no fursuit. Something yep, no suit. that's yeah. what I was gonna say. <laughs> no fursuit. Yep, no fursuit. One hundred percent will cut you out of that so fast. That two grand you just spent would be down the drain. Yep. So I got a question. Uh, since you brought it up, Fire Breath, um, you know, you're saying that that being skilled and being a good, good, you know, having people around who know what they're doing is good. So maybe we should talk about that. What is what does it take to be a good handler? And that's what we've got. You know, what are what's what's kind of the basics that somebody who wants to be a handler or maybe even has handled and thinks they they could learn it a little more? What are some things that that you know could be should be known to to someone who's handling are you asking me in general yeah it's for everybody Ooh, you know goody communication well, all of that good stuff well personally uh i like having at least two arm signals because hand signals have been mentioned a lot but if you have like me a fursuit that has only a single color Hands don't look like anything. They just look like blobs of beige, you know? <laughs> so so I, I do a, 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 a all good sign. You're not going to notice this unless I... Uh, the difference between that and a thumbs down sign. So what I like to use personally is uh, emergency uh, sign, which is putting my arms above my head and making an X with them. The reason being is that when they're above the head, 
no matter where the handler is, chances are they'll be able to see it. And an X is very easy to make. It puts your hands out of the way. So it, it opens you up as a suitor a little bit to potential harm. But at the same time, it puts you in a very safe situation because you're saying, hey, I'm moving my hands away. I am not a threat. And the handler automatically sees right away with the X that, you know, you're in trouble. You need help now. And the other one I like to use is the non-urgent help. So just bringing my hands up as if it was uh, somebody who was saying, you know, this is a hold up in a bank, you know, put your hands up. I just do that. The, these are the two main ones that I personally like to use with my handlers and as a handler because they're very distinct. They're very easy to see. And no matter where I am, chances are I'll be able to spot them or do them. No, those are those are good. Those are actually ones that I didn't know. Um, normally it is, you know, hand, some kind of hand signals. Um, I've known suitors in the past that have actually, um, they'll use like ASL uh, communication uh, for their uh, for their handler to 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 communicate those kinds of things. Do you guys have any other kind of communication ways that you use? What about you, Rue? I just squeak really loudly, <laughs> just really loudly, like I'm in pain, and they come running one hundred percent. I have them well trained, one hundred percent. So. Uh, no, I usually, um, if I need a drink, um, I don't have the same situation. Um, I, I mean, my hand paws are black, so I guess you could kind of probably not see them, but like, for instance, if I need a drink, I'll just pantomime that I need a drink by putting, you know, pretending like I have a cup in my hand and then putting it up to my mouth. Or if I need to, to remove my head, I I'll pantomime, you know, put my hands up in the air um, as if I'm like taking off my head to, to basically show the handler that, Hey, I need to go remove my head. Um, so, you know, but I sit down and I communicate with my handler before I start to say, Hey, these are the signs or the signals that I want you to, to watch out for. So uh, again, communicating with your handler is super important for you to be what about you, Nuka? Do you have any specific ones that you like to use? Uh, I just do a, a thumb over my shoulder, like a, hey, let's get out of here kind of thing. So it's, it's you know, usually pretty quick. And I'm just, you know, thumb over my shoulder. Uh, you know, I, I don't have anything specific. I don't think you need to come up with anything specific. Like in this situation, I'm going to use this hand signal. In this situation, uh, I think that for if you're just starting out, just having a good general, if you see me doing, hey, let's get out of here, whether it's I need to go for five minutes and get a drink or I need to get out of the suit now. You know, just a good general. Hey, let's you know, let's walk away for a minute and 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 handle this. Is is all I need. Yeah. What about you, Clay? Well, and from a handler side, you know, just be attentive. Pay attention if your handler, you know, or if your suitor is looking at you and you know doing the waving you to get over here. You know, then it. You know, it's. I agree with the, you know, it's nice to have a specific emergency gestures, but I'm kind of the, uh, in the camp of, yeah, I'm not going to do this specific thing in this specific example. Um, you know, just, you know, if I need you, I'll wave you over to get over here and kind of the same thing. You know, if I need to get out of here, it's, you know, hey, let's just, you, you know, thumb over the shoulder. Let's, let's, let's ditch. So here's a question. 
All of these are for what suitor signals are, but you as a handler, what are some things that you can do as a handler to get the attention of the suitor? Do you not going up and just yanking their tail and spin it around <laughs> like a flapper wheel? Yeah. What, what can you do? Because the suitor can't hear and they can't see. What are you going to do to get their attention? Yeah, when I'm handling, I'm in the more of the class of getting up close and actually asking them um, whether or not they just give me a nod or a thumbs up or a thumbs down, you know, even if it's just say, hey, do you need some water? Are you good? Do you need to go anywhere? You know, just so I can verbally communicate with that to that with them and just asking simple yes or no kind of questions because um, then they can just give a quick you know, yes or no, nod or thumbs down or shake the head, that kind of thing. I usually do, are you good? And do a thumbs up because then that is a nonverbal response uh, or sending a nonverbal um, um, communication to them because when they communicate back to me, they can reply with the same response that or the same hand signal that I used for them. So they'll usually give me a thumbs up if they're doing okay. But if they're not, then they'll probably do like a thumbs down or something like that. I don't know what you asked the question. Answer it. <laughs> yeah, personally, I, I tend to be more of the I stand back and wait for them to do something unless I know or I'm very sure there's something wrong. Right. Because I don't want to to be a, a, an issue with the performance. Right. I'm there to be as invisible as possible. But again, I've been doing this since 1999, 2000, if you want to push it a little bit. So I might have some experience that other people don't and vice versa, right? So, it, it, and I've always been doing it with the same people over and over again. So again, that rapport I talked about in the previous section, that's how you build it. And you start to know how the other person ha it will react to certain things and you can anticipate and you can see things coming. So I it, it, it's- Go ahead. I was just say it's it's a very personal thing the way I've approached this because I've built that relationship with the suitors I've been handling with and vice versa. Um, I was just going to make the the comment that um, uh, just another point is when it comes to um, now I lost my train of thought. Oh my gosh! And derailed. Terrible derailed. No, this was going to be another Lucifer moment too. Okay, so I am a I am a handler. And or I, I'm going to this charity event. I want to represent myself. I want to represent my persona. I'm going to go with my badge. I'm going to go with my furry ears and my tail. I'm here to, you know, I want to be able to have fun too. Well, being a handler doesn't mean you don't get to have fun. It's just you might have a little bit more responsibility than someone who's just there by themselves. And you know, it's actually a, it's a good way to, I would say it's even a good way to, to meet some of your locals or make some new friends, you know, because you're doing interaction with people you may not have before. So, Well, I was just going to say that depending on what situation that you're in, depending on what charity, like if you're actually doing a charity charity event where, while you're there to represent the charity itself, then you should be wearing their charity shirt if you're if you're doing that. You shouldn't be. Um, you should probably like dress, dressed, 
Dress normally. <laughs> Dress down. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, don't wear ears. Don't wear tails. Because honestly, all that's doing is pulling it away from the the first suitor. I want them to be able to. I want the handler to also in, be able to enjoy themselves. But there are sometimes in events, and maybe I'm wrong, and you guys can you can tell me this. But when I've run events, I've told handlers to not wear badges at some point in time right well not badges but well yeah all the paraphernalia that furries usually wear like you can wear a badge but like if it's like one that covers your chest type <laughs> thing like or if you're wearing like a collar and you want the fursuit fursuiter to pull you around on a leash or something like that like it's not about you it's about the charity at that moment well and that comes down to that goes back to one suiting and or handling with the same people as often as you can. Um, because at that point, if you're, if you're an experienced handler and you handle for the same people a lot, you, you know why you're there, you know what you're there for and, and you're okay with it. If, if you can't handle um, if you can't take the fact that you're there to handle for somebody, then maybe you just shouldn't volunteer to be a handler. At least not in that moment. Right. It can be an event, an event and situational thing where, you know, like you said, if you're at a charity event, that's different. If you're just at a, free meet? a meet, that's different. Yep. If you're at a convention, that's, that's different. different. Every situation needs a different approach. Absolutely. But... If you're out handling, um, what kind of stuff do you need as a handler? What do you, um, what do you, what do you bring? You know, if you're not bringing your tail and you're not bringing your badges and you're not bringing your stuff, what are you gonna have? Well, that depends. If you're handling for Rue, you need <laughs> the giant trunk, all the matched luggage, stop it, the cart. The <laughs> ah. His three outfits that he wears. Oh, my God. The backpack with all the props. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. You need a wheel. You need a wheelbarrow. That's not handler stuff. That's not handler stuff. That's fursuiting stuff. That's Rue's problem. Oh, no. That's the handler's problem with Rue. You you carry the As somebody who's been handling, I disagree with that. My job is not to carry everything. (laughs) Well, what do you carry, Firebreath? What do you bring with you when you're a handler? I always have a backpack, first off. Uh, usually I have two 1.5 liters of bottle, uh, bottled water because people get thirsty, they get overheated. Uh, water's the best way of doing uh, of taking care of those things. Uh, maybe some Gatorade if you feel like it, but I, I personally uh, mostly uh, use uh, bottled water. A few granola bars, just in case uh, there's a, a problem with... Uh, uh, blood sugar level, or they're they're getting too tired. They just need a little pick me up. Granola bars are uh, usually one of those great things to have on hand. They're light, they're easy to carry, so great stuff. Uh, I also have the critical suitors things such as ID, cell phone, and cash, because those are the things that are most likely going to be used at some point or another. Keys. <laughs> Well, keys if they have a car, but usually I'm the one driving, so it's my own keys. That's why I never think about those. (laughs) Uh, I also have personal money for myself uh, because emergencies happen. Uh, It's always good to have a little bit of cash on you no matter what. 
if I'm going there not as a handler and photographer, but just as a handler, I tend to have my point and shoot camera with me. Uh, cell phones are great, but I like to have something a little bit better personally because I may know like that. And finally, I tend to also have pen and paper because you might want to take contact info for, from someone who wants to have a picture taken with them and you have no way to transfer it to them at that point. It's like, okay, give me your name and email address. I'll send that to you. Uh, it could be uh, taking notes on something that happened and you're going to need to remember what happened for whatever reason, a police report or just a report you do. Hey, this happened, at the, this super great thing happened. You know, it can be either or. There's a tons of reasons why a pen and paper is probably one of the most critical things to have with you. What about uh, you, Nuka? Anything you bring specifically when you're handling? Um, no, I think that was the keys are the big one. Uh, keys and water. Like keys, just because I do a lot of my soothing at school, right? So I have to get back into my office, or if I'm at a con, I get it back into my hotel room. So make sure that my handler has my. My way of getting into my room slash my office slash my car slash whatever I need to get into. Gotcha. What about you guys, Rue, Click? Anything that you that hasn't been brought up already? I was just gonna. Um, I was just gonna point out that I think that. Um, I think that when it comes to the fursuiter. I think you're mainly responsible for what are some of the things that you need. Don't don't expect that your handler is going to provide you with granola bars. <laughs> like, yeah, right. You know, bring your granola bars, bring your things so that the pack is already ready for the the handler. Give them your bag and, you know, it's yeah. It's a two-way street and know that it's just because that that individual is your handler, they're not your slave. <laughs> Um, as much as I like to have wheelbarrows worth of stuff um, for people to, to hold. Um, but yeah, just make sure that you treat your handlers well because they're doing a service for you. And if they're going to continue to be a handler for you, handlers are hard to come by sometimes. Especially good ones. Mm -hmm. And when charity events roll around, it's difficult to find um, handlers. So sometimes what's also good at a, if you're doing like a charity event, you stagger the, um, the, the times that the first suitors go out. Maybe you handle for somebody, go out and suit with that in or handle for, for another individual. And then you guys switch. That is a good point. And, and like you guys said, you know, that is kind of the suitor's responsibility um, it's good to have a bag ready of what you need personally, you know, what you really need and what you need them to carry. It's good for a handler to have their, you know, the, the water and the granola bars and their own stuff. But, um, you know, it's also good to know as a suitor what you really need. Cause like for me, I don't need a handler to carry anything. I have a clip on the inside of my suit for my wallet and I have a clip for my keys and, you know, and that's that's really all I need. My phone, if I need it, I have a a waterproof pouch that goes around my neck that I can wear under my suit for my phone. So, you know, and it just depends on what you need and what you need a handler to carry. And, um, 
you know, it is good for handlers to have at least water. At the very, very minimum, at least have water. And also for themselves as well. Cause right. Because if you're out in the heat, you know, in the summer, yeah, the suit's going to have uh, um, going to need water, but you're going to need stuff as well. And the other thing as a suitor um, to bring that – I don't think anyone else really talked about was if you have any kind of medications oh, definitely. or any oh, yeah. kind <laughs> of special circumstances that they need to be aware of. Um, maybe you have a bad back. Maybe, you know, your mobility is limited in one in a way or, you know, you are carrying an EpiPen for something. Those are things that need to be communicated between you both. Um just to make sure everybody's staying safe and everybody's staying healthy. And because the last thing you want is something like that to happen. And, you know, it could really get in the way of a fun time, which, you know, we don't want. So I think right now we need to go to final thoughts. So let's go ahead and do round table one more time through everybody and move on to, to final thoughts. We'll go ahead and start with fire breath. Final thoughts. Honestly, I think that the the entire handling thing is underrated, underappreciated. Uh, for having done both suiting and handling, I know that suitors get a lot of attention. And I think it's a lost art as to and as to how to handle and it is very underappreciated and I'm very worried that this in time will make it so that you won't be able to go out suiting as easily in public anymore because nobody will want to do that. So if you see somebody who's handling for someone else, don't be afraid to say thank you for doing that too. It's, it's a small gesture, but it will mean a lot to everybody. Nuka, go ahead. I think a good first, a good uh, handler is worth their weight in gold. I think, uh, uh, like like Firebath mentioned, it's one of those things that we don't give enough praise for. I actually think it for anyone. I know that it's it's very popular to want to get a fursuit. I think anyone who wants to get a fursuit and to fursuit should be made to handle. <laughs> I think it's 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 good practice for what you can expect as a fursuiter, uh, but also it helps you to appreciate you know when you when you go to handle. I think it's nice to to be able to recognize. Um, a, what you like in a handler and B, just recognize the, the work that it takes to be a handler. So. I agree with all that actually. Um, you know, a good handler is, is exactly that, that they're, they're invaluable. Um, if you're looking at a way to be more involved with a local group, or, you know, if you're, if you're a, a new furry or even if you're not a new furry, but you're just somebody who hasn't really found a way to break into the into the crowd and become involved that's a great way to do it you know find a suitor that looks like they need some help and and you know have a chat with them and and uh, start out with handling that's a great way to get involved for my final thought I just want to say thank you for you guys for <laughs> actually um, for the people that have handled me I mean each of you, have taken a turn at some point in time of handling me. And I know that I'm a handful and <laughs> I try my very best not to be, but Rue is a handful. 
<laughs> and I try not to be that that really terrible fursuiter, but there are times that like my performance gets the best of me and um, your handlers are my anchor and they really help me to make sure that I drink, make sure that I take care of myself. Um, I am a successful fursuiter because of handlers, because of how they've helped me. Handlers are the unsung heroes of fursuiters. Um, they don't get enough praise. No, and we, I just want to say this, we've got a local uh, named Shadow who handles for us at a lot of our events, and he always comes through. He's a, he's a gem, and we couldn't do a lot of what we do without it. He is and, amazing. And just think, you know, even the most professional costumer, you know, even those at Disneyland and, you know, the sports mascots and all of them, every single one of those professionally paid characters all have a handler or multiple handlers because it doesn't matter who you are. Once you put that costume on, you're limited either in vision, in movement, you know, in some way or another. And they are the support that I think a lot of people don't realize we need when we're, when we're out and about and suiting. And, you know, just remember, it's not just, oh, you're not good enough to have a fursuit or whatever. You know, we need you. And we're all very thankful for what you do. So don't, don't be upset if you're just a handler. Fire breath. Hi, hey. fire breath. Hey, oh, hi. do you want to bring us into our next segment? I guess I can, maybe. <laughs> so I guess that it's the mailbag segment. Zip. We're gonna listen. We're gonna read <laughs> mail from the from uh, from our audience. Isn't it great? Yeah. Uh, who pulled the zipper down? <laughs> it's time for the mailbag. Just kidding. Uh, it's a drawstring. <laughs> <laughs> it's a button fly. We've had to cut back on the show. <laughs> so our first. Um, uh, basically, we we honestly didn't get any emails into the mailbag. So um, just to give you guys a heads up, if you ended up liking this particular show or you have some comments, please send it to us. Even though that it's not the topic of the day of what we're going to be talking about next episode, we'll read your, your feedback um, in the mailbag. We like to know what you think. Exactly. Are we doing terrible? Do you think we could use a fountain in our lobby? Just tell us and we will get right on it. I'll only have a fountain if it's chocolate. We're so lonely. Please talk to us. <laughs> we need you. The pandemic has made everything hard. So, has... If you think we need, we, we need a, a fountain, please sign up for Patreon too because we'll need help for that too. <laughs> Someone's got to pay for the chocolate. So as most of you know, um, last... A few episodes ago, um, that was Tugs's last episode. Well, not last episode. He'll still be here. He'll still be around, but, um, you know, being main host. And so we are trying this brand new format, but there has been some outpouring comments um, directly to Tugs on Telegram, and we just kind of wanted to, to share those particular comments. 
So I'll go ahead and start by reading the first one. Um, This is from Plug. It says, Hey, Tugsy. I don't think I could explain just how much this show has meant um, has meant to me over the years or properly express my gratitude for your contribution to it. I can at least say that your calm, open approach to kink topics means the world to me. Your willingness to be vulnerable and share of yourself has touched me deeply. Somebody want to read Kits? Sure, I'll do Kits. Uh, So, I am confident when I say that I would not be here where I am today without Tugs and without for what it's worth. From the bottom of my heart, I am grateful that I have listened to Tugs' voice throughout the years. I'm grateful that I've gotten to work, play, learn, and grow beside him. May your other projects touch folks like how for what it's worth has impacted me for the better. Whatever you choose to do now, I believe in you. I believe in you like how you believe in me. Thank you. Uh, I can grab the one from uh, Grizz. So he says, thank you for your kind and curious presentation of kink subjects. Thank you for your wonderful show personality. Thank you for everything. May your new project meet with success beyond your expectations. Who wants to read uh, the last one? I'll do the last one. From Moosh. For what it's worth has... For what it's worth was the reason I finally worked up the nerve to get involved in the furry community after years of sitting on the sidelines, and I've met some hella cool people and grown a lot as a person since then. Never could have ended up where I am today without randomly stumbling upon this awesome podcast one day. Thank you, Tugs, and of course, Rue, and the rest of the For What It's Worth team, for the mat- for that matter. Y'all really helped me get through this past year. Thank you, you guys, for sending in those comments. I know that Tugs will 100% appreciate those. He's put his heart and soul into this show to get it to the point that it currently is at. And so thank you so much for you guys for, you know, giving a shit. Thank you for just taking the time to listen and hear all of the ramblings that Tugs and Rue do, because they do a lot of rambling. And you edit most of it out. (laughs) I do. There's hours you guys don't hear. If you want to hear all these little tidbits, then submit to Patreon Superfoot McRib tier. (laughs) (laughs) And you too can hear all the little tidbits that Rue and Tugs don't want you to hear. Ooh, all the naughty things. Oh my. The blackmail tier. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure he's just over the moon with all of the support and love that you guys have sent in and appreciate all these emails and all these letters with that let's move on to housekeeping housekeeping have you commented on the site yet it's time to be reminded in housekeeping first of all i want to thank you guys this is our very first well we've kind of done a round table before but i think that this is the first time that we've had all the cast here together and it's been just an amazing experience so thank you for your guys's time uh to record the show today yay yeah you're welcome thanks for having us come along um 
make sure that you guys comment on the site. Right now it's broken. So sorry. Uh, we're in the process of getting the, the website fixed at the moment. So, um, you know, if you happen to have a website experience, shoot us a message because we're looking for somebody to help us. But, um, Tugs, Tugs is, um, also looking into that at the moment, but none of us here are webmasters. So, um, please feel free to send us a, send us a friendly message. And where can they send it? Cast at for what it's worth dot com or directly to Rue at for what it's worth dot com. Or you could actually still send it to Tugs because uh, Tugs is right now the main person that's looking after the website. So maybe that would be the best way. Um, social media, Twitter. Um, we it's are, a thing. Yes, it is a thing. Follow us. You guys are great at um, retweeting our tweets. Honestly, we don't have any any marketing budget right now. All of the Patreon funds that we um, we get go directly to the non-working website, and um, we're also looking in trying to get brand new mics. Um, some of our mics have grown old over the years. Also, our headphones are starting to to give out, so we are looking towards trying to. Um, trying to take care of those so by not having to put the money into marketing it definitely helps us out so please um you know if you can't donate to patreon just a retweet or commenting on the the twitter um helps us out and what's our twitter handle mm, for twitter.com it's, it's at for what it's worth <laughs> there you go <laughs> Don't forget, we've also got a Telegram channel and a Telegram chat. Uh, Both can be found under For What It's Worth. Um, Voss, how do they get onto the Telegram channel? You can get onto the Telegram channel by messaging one of your various hosts, specifically Rue, because he loves your messages. Yay! (laughs) And tell him you want to be added. Just remember, you've got to be 18 or plus. Restrictions may apply. (laughs) Offer not valid in Tennessee. <laughs> and Quebec. So, yeah, just message me at Wine Red Fox. Um, also, tell a friend. Again, when it comes to, to marketing, it's all word of mouth right now at this point. Yeah, Tell your friends if they're bored, if they're in quarantine, if they've... They just want to find something to fill their ear, ear holes. Nothing else to do. Let them know. They can listen to us blab on about things for a few hours. If you need randomness to stuff in your ear holes, this is a great place to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, go ahead. So I understand we're doing this again. What's, what's our next episode going to be about? Oh, our next episode, we're going to talk about virtual cons. This last year has been a doozy. Um, People have had to adjust and adapt. Um, So virtual cons has become a thing. Um, So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Are they here to stay? Are they temporary? How How do you pull them off? What does it take? Is it worth it? Are they as good or better? All that fun stuff. These are questions. We'll have answers. Yes. Maybe. But if you have (laughs) attended any of these virtual cons, we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts and comments on them or any questions you may have about them. 
Um, personally, I can say I have not attended any, any of the virtual cons, so I definitely would be interested in learning um, how one of these gets pulled off. Um, but let us know any questions you may have, any any comments. Do you love them? Do you hate them? Do you, are you like me and you can't wait till you can drive eight hours to <laughs> go to a hotel where all your friends are and just be a, d- a dumb animal for a weekend? But so make sure you you get those emails in. One more thing. Go check in about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we have some brand new emails that we have set up. So, specifically, if you want to message Click about Click things, uh, you can um, you can message him at clickitforwhatitsworth.com. Uh, you can also, if you want uh, to find out what True. type of syrup uh, to buy, you can go to firebreath at for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, Rue, what? Rue, I have a question for you. What? Click. Do you write it C L I C? No, it is K L I K. Thank at you. For what it's worth. Um, <laughs> Nuka has an email now, so you can do Nuka at for what it's worth dot com. You can also message Boss if you want to hear um, those lovely tasty tidbits of things that are deleted you could message him um and then we also have sammy at for what it's worth.com shiny did you like grace's voice did you like want to hear your own well now we also have a new way to do that it's called speak pipe just submit a little thing it only takes a minute and you can hear your sultry tones on the airwaves for what it's worth and if and if speak point is causing speak you tru- speak pipe is causing you <laughs> troubles, then you can always just send us an email with the audio file on it. Speak pipe has a limit of a minute and thirty seconds at the moment, so keep it brief. All right. So with that, thanks for listening. This has been Tux. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Rue. And click. And Voss. And Sammy. And Firebreath. And Nuka. And you've been listening to For For What It's Worth. What It's Worth. (laughs) You did it, Nuka! Yay! Yay, You did it! (laughs) 